0: Welcome to the Mahabharata podcast. We have just heard of the lineage and stories relating to the great sage Brigul and how once upon a time his beautiful and pregnant wife, Lady Buloma, was approached in their peaceful hermitage on his absence by a demon. The demon, like Lady Buloma, also went by the name Buloma. And had a long-standing disgruntlement over the father of Lady Puloma, initially promising her to him but later marrying her to Brigul. He felt an injustice had been done to him and wanted to avenge this and reclaim her for himself, if not voluntarily, then by force. The demon Puloma encountered the god of fire, Agni, as he was about to abduct the sage's wife. And Agni, being fearful of the demon, whilst speaking against the demon, did not stop him from abducting her. Brigumuni, on his return to the hermitage, had become furious and cursed the god of fire for acting in a way that he regarded as indifferent. He cursed Agni that he would indiscriminately burn all things. Agni had protested the curse laid upon him, saying that he had spoken nothing but the truth, and in his protest he withdrew himself from all places, including sacrifices. As a consequence of Agni's withdrawal, the gods being disturbed provoked the redemption of Agni, by Lord Brahma. Citing the Agni in the form of the fire of digestion already exists in all beings and especially is seen in its existence in the stomachs of carnivorous animals, digesting indiscriminately any flesh that it encounters. And so the curse was already in this way regarded as fulfilled. We finally had the introduction of the shining and brilliant infant Javana, the son of Brigul and Lady Puloma, who was dropped from the womb of his mother as she was being abducted. By his own potencies, Javana had reduced that demon, Puloma, to ashes on the spot as a result of his devious and disturbing exploits. Suta Goswami continued citing to Shonak Muni, relating to the line following from that child, Javana. O Brahmana, Javana, the son of Brigul, then begot a son in the womb of his wife, Sukanya, and that son was the illustrious Pramati, of resplendent energy, and Pramati begot in the womb of his wife, Krishdachi, A son called Ruru. And Ruru begot on his wife, Brahmadwara, a son called Sunaka. And I shall relate to you in detail, O Brahmana. The entire history of Ruru, of abundant energy, do listen to it in full. And so the Sutta continued. There was formerly a great sage, known as Stulakesha, and he was possessed of ascetic power and learning and kindly disposed towards all creatures. At that time, Vishvavasu, the king of Gandharvas, the celestials, a dancer and a musician associated with having great power and arrogance, is said to have had an intimacy with Menaka the beautiful celestial nymph and dancer. And Menaka, when her time was come, brought forth an infant from that union near the hermitage of sage Stulakesha. And dropping the newborn infant on the banks of the river, Menaka, the celestial Apsara, being destitute of pity and shame, went away, as had gone also Vishvavasu, the king of Gandharvas. Being absorbed in their own activities and exploits, having abandoned all responsibilities for the child, the sage Stulakesha of great ascetic power discovered the innocent infant lying forsaken in a lonely part of the riverside. And as he perceived that it was a female child, bright as the offspring of an immortal, and blazing, as it were, with beauty, the great Brahmana Stulakesha, the first of Munis, seeing the female child, and filled with compassion, took it up and reared it. And as the lovely child grew up in his holy habitation, The noble-minded and blessed sage, performing in due succession all of the ceremonies, beginning with that at birth as ordained by divine law. And because she surpassed all of her sex in goodness, beauty and every quality, the great sage named her Brahmadwara, the highest of gates and the pious ruru the descendant of brigul one day having seen the beautiful pramadwara in the hermitage became one whose heart was pierced by the god of love and ruru by means of his companions made this known to his own father pramati the son of brigul and consequently pramati went and demanded her of the far-famed Stulakesha for his son. And the foster father, Stulakesha, then agreed and betrothed Brahmadwara to Ruru, fixing the nuptials for a day when the star, Varga Devata, would be ascendant. Within days of the time fixed for the nuptials, the beautiful Brahmadwara, While at play with her companions, her time having come, impelled by fate, trod upon a serpent which she did not perceive as it lay in its coil. The reptile, urged to execute the will of fate, violently darted its venomous fangs into the body of the heedless maiden. And stung by that serpent, she instantly dropped senseless on the ground. Her colour faded, and all the graces of her person went off. And with dishevelled hair, she became a spectacle of woe to her companions and friends. And she who was so agreeable to behold, became on her death what was too painful to look at and the girl of slender waists lying on the ground like one asleep, becoming overcome with the poison of the snake. Once more, she somehow became even more beautiful than when she was in life. And Brahmadvara's foster father, Stula Geisha, and the other holy ascetics who were there, all saw her lying motionless on the ground, with the splendour of a lotus and many great sages filled with compassion as well as Brahmati's son Ruru and other inhabitants of the forest arrived and when they saw that maiden lying dead on the ground overcome with the poison of the reptile that had bitten her all wept filled with compassion but Ruru mortified beyond measure, retired from the scene. And while those illustrious brahmanas were sitting around the dead body of Brahmadwara, Ruru sorely afflicted, retired into a deep wood and wept aloud. And overwhelmed with grief, he indulged in much piteous lamentation. And remembering his beloved Brahmadwara, he gave vent to his sorrow in the following words. Alas, the delicate fair one, that increaseth my affection, lieth upon the bare ground. What can be more deplorable for us, our friends? If I have ever been charitable, if I have ever performed acts of penance, And if I have ever revered my superiors, let the merit of these acts restore to life my beloved one. If from my birth I have been controlling my passions, adhering to my vows, let the fair Brahmadwara rise from the ground. And while Ruru was indulging in these lamentations for the loss of his bride, a messenger from the heavens came to him in the forest and addressed him thus. The words thou utterest, O Ruru, in thy affliction are certainly ineffectual. For, O pious man, one belonging to this world, whose days have run out, can never come back to life. This poor child of a Gandharva, and an Apasra, has had her days run out. Therefore, O child, thou should not consign thy heart to sorrow. The great gods, however, have provided beforehand a means of restoration of her life. And if thou compliest with it, thou may receive back thy pramadvara. And Ruru replied, O Messenger of Heaven, what is it which the gods have ordained? Tell me in full, so that I may comply with it. It behoveth thee to deliver me from this grief. And the Celestial Messenger said unto Ruru, Resign half thy own life to thy bride. And then, O Ruru, of the race of Rigul, thy Brahmadwara shall rise from the ground. Ruru then instantly replied, O best of celestial messengers, I most willingly offer a moiety of my own life in favour of my bride. Then let my beloved one rise up once more in her dress and her lovable form. Then the king of Gandharvas, the father of Brahmadwara, And the Celestial Messenger, both of excellent qualities, went to the god Dharma, the god of justice and the judge of the dead, and addressed him, saying, If it be thy will, O Dharmaraj, let the amiable Brahmadwara, the betrothed wife of Ruru, now lying dead, rise up with a moiety of Ruru's life. And Dharmaraj answered, O messenger of the gods, if it be thy wish, let Brahmadwara, the betrothed wife of Ruru, rise up, endued with a moiety of Ruru's life. And when Dharmaraj had said so, the maiden of superior complexion, Brahmadwara, endued with a moiety of Ruru's life, rose as from a slumber and this bestowal by Ruru of a moiety of his own span of life in order to resuscitate his bride afterwards led as it would be seen to a curtailment of Ruru's own life. And once upon a time on an auspicious day their fathers had gladly married Ruru and Pramadvara with due rights, and the couple passed their days devoted to each other. And Ruru having obtained such a wife, as is hard to be found, beautiful and bright as the filaments of a lotus, made a vow for the destruction of the serpent race. And whenever he saw a serpent, He became filled with great wrath, and always killed it with a weapon. One day, O Brahmana, Ruru entered an extensive forest, and there he saw a serpent-like creature of the Dundumba species lying stretched on the ground. And Ruru thereupon lifted up in anger his staff, even like to the staff of death, for the purpose of killing it. Then the Dundumba, addressing Ruru, said, I have done thee no harm, O Brahmana, then wherefore wilt thou slay me in anger? And Ruru, on hearing these words, replied, My wife, dear to me as life, was bitten by a snake. Upon which I took, O snake, a dreadful vow that I would kill every snake that I might come across. Therefore shall I smite thee, and thou shalt be deprived of life. And the Dundumba replied, O Brahmana, the snakes that bite men are quite different in type. It behooveth thee not to slay myself and our species, who are only serpents in name. Subject like other serpents to the same calamities, but not sharing their good fortune. In woe, the same, but in joy, different. The Dunumbas should not be slay by thee under any such misconception. And the Brahmana, Ruru, hearing these words of the serpent and seeing that it was bewildered with fear, albeit a snake of the Dundumba species killed it not. And Ruru, the possessor of the six attributes of a brahmana, comforting the snake, addressed it, saying, Tell me fully, O snake, who art thou thus metamorphosed? And the Dundumba replied, O Ruru, in the past, I was formerly a sage who went by the name Sahasrapat. And it is by the curse of a brahmana that I have been transformed into this species. And Vuru asked, O thou best of snakes, for what was thou cursed by a brahmana in wrath, and how long will thy form continue so? The Dundumba then said, In former times, I had a friend, Gagama by name. He was impetuous in his speech and possessed of spiritual power by virtue of his austerities. And one day, when he was engaged in the fire sacrifice, I made a mock snake of blades of grass and in a frolic attempted to frighten him with it and anon he fell into a swoon. On recovering his senses, that truth-telling and vow-observing ascetic, burning with anger, exclaimed, Since thou hast made a powerless, mock snake in order to frighten me, thou shalt be turned even into a venomless serpent thyself by my curse. O ascetic, I knew well the power of his penances therefore with an agitated heart I addressed him thus bending low with folded palms friend I did this by way of a joke to excite thy laughter it behooveth thee to forgive me and revoke thy curse and seeing me sorely troubled the ascetic was moved and he replied, breathing hot and hard. What I have said must come to pass. Listen to what I say and lay that to thy heart. O pious one, when Ruru, the pure son of Pramati, will appear, thou shalt be delivered from the curse the moment thou sees him. And thou art the very Ruru, and the son of Pramati. On regaining my native form, I will tell thee something for thy good. And that illustrious man, and the best of Brahmanas, then left his snake-like body, and attained his own form, an original brightness. The sage Sahasrapat then addressed the following words to Ruru of incomparable power. O thou, first of created beings, verily the highest virtue of man is sparing the life of others. Therefore, a brahmana should never take the life of any creature. A Brahmana should ever be mild. This is the most sacred injunction of the Vedas. A Brahmana should be versed in the Vedas and the Vedangas, and should inspire all creatures with belief in God. He should be benevolent to all creatures, truthful and forgiving, even as it is his paramount duty to retain the Vedas in his memory. The duties of the Kshatriyas are not thine. To be stern, to wield the sceptre, and to rule the subjects properly are the duties of the Kshatriya or warrior. Listen, O Brahmana Ruru, to the account of the destruction of snakes at the sacrifice of Janamajaya in the days of yore. And the deliverance of the terrified reptiles by the best of dvijas or second-born Ashtika, profound in the Vedic law and might and spiritual energy. Ruru then asked, O best of the second-born sahasrabhat, why was King Janamejaya bent upon destroying the serpents? And why and how were they saved by the wise sage, Ashtika. I am very anxious to hear all of this in detail. The sage then replied, O Ruru, the important history of Ashtika you will learn from the lips of Brahmanas. Saying this, the sage vanished. Ruru ran about in search of the missing sage and having failed to find him in the woods, fell down on the ground fatigued and revolving in his mind the words of that great sage. He was greatly confounded and seemed to be deprived of his senses. Regaining consciousness, he came home and asked his father to relate the history question. Thus asked, his father related about the story. Shonakarishi then asked Suta Goswami, for what reason did that tiger amongst kings, the royal Janamajaya, determine to take the lives of the snakes by means of a sacrifice? O Sauti, tell us the story in full. Tell us also why Ashtika, the best of regenerate ones, that foremost of ascetics, rescued the snakes from the blazing fire, whose son was that monarch who celebrated the snake sacrifice, and whose son also was that best of regenerate ones. Sutta Goswami replied, O best of speakers, the story of Ashtika is long. I will duly relate it in full. And Shonaka then said, I am desirous of hearing at length the charming story of that sage, that illustrious Brahmana named Ashtika. And so Sūtā Goswami began. This history, first recited by the wisest one, Krishna Dvaipayan Vyas is also called a Purana by the Brahmanas. It was formerly narrated by my wise father, Loma Harshana, the disciple of Vyas, before the dwellers of the Naimisha forest at their request. I was present at the recital, and O Shonaka, since thou asks me, I shall narrate the history of Ashtika. Exactly as I heard it. Oh, listen as I recite in full that sin destroying story. And so we see here, in terms of era, the narration is after the reign of King Janamajaya, but before the assembly of sages in Naimisha, consisting of Suta Goswami and Shonak Muni, with the descendant of Brigu named Ruru, inquiring about what had happened with King Janamajaya and the snakes. Himself and his wife, Brahmadvara having been afflicted by the snakes, he was interested to hear more. The Sutta then begins to tell the story to the ever-attentive sage, Shonaka. The father of the sage, Ashtika, was powerful like Prajapati, the progenitor of the human race. He was a brahmachari, a serious ascetic, always engaged in austere devotions. He ate sparingly and had his lust under complete control. And he was known by the name of Jaratgaru. That foremost one amongst the Yayavaras, virtuous and of rigid vows, highly blessed and endued with great ascetic power, once undertook a journey all over the surface of the earth. He visited diverse places, bathed in diverse sacred waters, and rested where the night took over. Endued with great energy, he practised religious austerities, hard to be practised by men of unrestrained souls. The sage lived upon air only and renounced sleep forever, thus going about like a blazing fire. One day he happened to see his ancestors hanging heads down in a great hole, their feet pointing upwards. On seeing them, Jaratgaru addressed them, saying, Who are you thus hanging heads down in this hole by a rope of the Virana fibers that is again secretly eaten into on all sides by a rat that lives here? The ancestors replied, We are sages of rigid vows called the Yayavaras. We are sinking low into the earth for want of offspring. We have a son named Jaratgaru. Woe to us! That wretch hath entered upon a life of austerities alone. The fool does not think of raising offspring by marriage. It is for this reason the fear of extinction of our race that we are suspended in this hole. Possessed of means, we fare like unfortunates that have none. O excellent one, who art thou, that thus sorrowest us as a friend on our account? We desire to learn, O Brahmana, who thou art, that standest by us, and why, O best of men, thou sorrowest for us that are so unfortunate. Sage Jaradgaru said, "Ye are even my sires and grandsires, and I am that Jaradgaru. O tell me how I may serve you. The fathers then answered, Try thy best, O child, to beget a son to extend our line. Thou will then, O excellent one, have done a meritorious act for both thyself and us. Not by the fruits of virtue, not by ascetic penances well hoarded up, acquireth the merit which one doth by becoming a father. Therefore, O child, by our command, set thy heart upon marriage and offspring, Even this is our highest good. Jaratgaru then replied, I shall not marry for my own sake, nor shall I earn wealth for my enjoyment, but I shall do it for your welfare alone. According to this understanding, I shall, agreeably to the Shastric ordinance, take a wife for attaining this end. I shall not act otherwise, if a bride may be had of the same name as me, whose friends would beside willingly give her to me as a gift in charity. I shall wed her duly. But who will give this daughter to a poor man like me for a wife? I shall, however, accept any daughter given to me as alms, I shall endeavour, yea, sires, even thus to wed a girl. I have given my word, I will not act otherwise. Upon her I will raise offspring for your redemption, so that, yea, fathers, yea may attain to the eternal regions of bliss and may rejoice as yea like. That brahmana of rigid vows then wondered, over the earth for a wife but a wife he found not one day he went into the forest and recollecting the words of his ancestors he thrice prayed in a faint voice for a bride on happening to hear these prayers the serpent and brother of the powerful Dakshaka and the all-pervasive Ananta Shesha and also the stepbrother of Garuda the eagle the great Vasuki arose and offered his sister for the sage Jaratkaru's acceptance but the brahmana hesitated to accept her thinking her not to be one of the same name of himself the high souled Jaratkaru thought within himself I will take none for wife, who is not of the same name as me. Then that sage of great wisdom and austere penances asked Vasuki, Tell me truly, what is the name of this thy sister, O snake? And Vasuki replied, O Jaratgaru, this is my younger sister, and is called Jaratgaru like you given away by me, except this slender-waisted damsel for thy spouse. O best of brahmanas, for thee I have reserved her, therefore take her. Saying this, he offered his beautiful sister to Jaratgaru, who then espoused her with ordained rites. Suta Goswami then said, O foremost of persons acquainted with Brahmā. The mother of the snake's Kadru, had at a previous time on their disagreeing to her deceitfully proposing the black colouring of the tail of the horse Uchjaisrava's, in order that she may win a bet with her co-wife Vinata, cursed them of old, saying... He that hath the wind for his charioteer, the fire god Agni, shall burn you all in Janamajaya's sacrifice. It was to neutralise that curse that the chief of snakes Vasuki married his sister named Jaratkaru to that high-souled sage Jaratkaru of excellent vows. The sage Jaratkaru wedded her according to the rites ordained in the scripture, and from them was born a high-souled son called Ashtika. An illustrious ascetic, versed in the Vedas and their branches, he regarded all with an even eye, and removed the fears of both of his parents. Then, after a long space of time, a king descending from the Pandava line celebrated a great sacrifice known as the Snake Sacrifice. After that sacrifice had commenced for the destruction of the snakes, Sage Ashtika, the son of Jaratkaru, had saved the snakes, his maternal relatives, from a fiery death. And by his austerities, O Brahmana, and various vows and study of the Vedas, he freed himself from all debts. By sacrifices at which various kinds of offering were made, he propitiated the gods. By practicing the brahmachari mode of life, he conciliated the sagely community, and by begetting offspring, he gratified his ancestors. Thus Jaratgaru, of rigid vows discharged the heavy debt that he owed to his sires, who being thus relieved from bondage, ascended to the heavens. Thus having acquired great religious merit, Sage Jaratkaru, after a long course of years, went to heaven, leaving also Ashtika behind. There is the story of Ashtika that I have related duly now. Tell me, O tiger of Briggle's race, what else am I to narrate unto you?